The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Once again, to a came from the radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. We are here live in person at the East Metal Public Library for our 72nd, which is our sixth anniversary live show in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. I am here with our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Hello, fun seekers. We have L Man Jenny Feldy. Hi. And we have our guest who we're going to be talking to with and about, which is awesome because he's right here. It is, I have it written down. Dark Knight Halloween World CEO, right? Uh, Aiden P. Finnegan. Yep, can't forget the P. Thank you for having me, guys. Happy to be here. And uh, sorry for scaring you all. I'm sure this uh, unfortunate library is going to be quite bloody after we're done here. But, uh, yeah, you knew what you were getting into. You really did. This is not the first time I've been on. You knew what happened last time. Yes. No. You weren't there. I know. You got to listen to our show and find out. Well, I'm trying to get tits now. There there used to be more hosts. So... (laughs) <laughs> so as I mentioned, we're going to be talking to Aiden in just a few minutes, but first we have to take it away with the news. It's Morphin Time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the uh, Sci-Fi.Radio, which is Sci-Fi for a Wi-Fi, so as the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 28 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention is scheduled for December the 16th, and is the Big Apple Christmas Con. I believe tickets are on sale right now. Also, want to give our shout-outs to our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portes, Newsday, Famous Dresden Media, Hunji Kun, Shadow Art, Yasmin Array, and Rosa, and the Huracan. If you want to have uh, your shout-out, go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The button on there takes you right to our Patreon page. Also on our It Came From The Radio site, you have my book, Designated, which is a... 30 years in the making, about two warring alien races fighting over a newly discovered uh, power source to war find its way to planet Earth, and as a result, humans gain abilities. Huh. All right, so as we always do, we start off with the sad news. Great. Uh, stand-up comic Michael Paul Cathers, better known as the Getchy Guy, uh, died recently. As of this recording, no death has been announced. Uh, the Getchy Guy is has most famous for holding the Guinness Book of World Records for the most jokes told in one hour at seven, uh, 676 jokes. Um, I actually never heard of him until I was going through the sad news, and I saw his YouTube special, and he's kind of like a, uh, a Stephen Wright type character, a little dry, observational but humor. Much faster. Much faster, yes, Stephen much faster. Stephen Wright on um, Monster Energy. His, his, uh, uh, his joke that I, I picked up on, which I thought was really funny, was that he was driving, and he got pulled over for driving without, for not having a rearview mirror. He didn't see the cop coming. But he probably said it really fast. Yes, he said it incredibly fast. 676 jokes. Well, I'll tell for you an hour. something. You were a stand-up uh, comic, sure, right? Sure, yeah. How many jokes can you do in an hour? 
Um, I, well, I was told at Stanford University here in Governor's Levittown, you can talk to the teachers. They say you have to have a topic, a premise, and a punchline. Okay. So this guy would be totally wrong, and he would not graduate Stanford University, and he'd probably be going nowhere. So... He's going nowhere now. <laughs> so I don't know how he called himself a comedian. Uh, so he was 59. Oh, R.I.P. Um, I approve. I don't go by this uh, R.I.P. Okay. guy. I don't go by that at all. Guess so, you could say he lived fast, huh? Ah. Uh. <laughs> so also um, we have from the Sad News follow-up department. Um, as mentioned in a previous show, we announced that TV and game show legend Bob Barker had died from natural causes at the age of 99. Turns out that Bob actually died as a result of Alzheimer's disease, which he had been diagnosed, quote, years, unquote, before his death. Also, Bob's high blood pressure, high cholesterol were also listed as other significant conditions that contributed to his death. So uh, he had a lot of stuff going on at uh, 99, which is a... Uh, <laughs> Yes. Had a lot of stuff going on, but he was 99. God lived a good life. I think he brought it on himself. You think he... How does... Because, like, you know, sometimes, you know, I was I, I had some joke partially written about wanting dementia. Because let's say you have a bad relationship. Like, you know, my grandma, it's like, who's Bob? <laughs> who's, you know, who's my grandpa? So you just forget it. So maybe he wanted to forget the prices of all of these items. Because it's just like, can you imagine him going to sleep every night? It's like the price of this toaster, the price. Like, he's like, I don't care. I don't care how much this phone is worth. Like, just let me relax. You know, it's probably, that could make someone crazy. The prices, the prices, the prices, the prices. Like, did you ever think about it? Like, that's a lot. So moving on. <laughs> like, I get sick of the sad news every week. I'm going crazy. So that's, that's, that. that's it. That's just the, once a week. That's it for the sad news. Yeah. Then I get feel better. So moving yeah. on to the not as sad news. Are you guys? Are you guys familiar so. with the prices? Right. There was such a horrible joke about Bob Barker dying at 99. He just came up. Oh, um, he w- he went to as closest to 100 without going over. Oh. <laughs> uh, so moving on for the not as sad news. From the one strike and you're out follow-up department. As of this recording, which is uh, September the 13th of 2023, we are on day 135 of the writer's strike and day 61 of the actor's strike with no end in sight. Now, Aiden, um, you hire actors for your haunt, right? Yes, we do. So how does that work? If it's uh, Are they sag, not sag? Um, no, it's, uh, well, you know, to, to use the term actor, and I don't mean this as an insult, because scare acting is a very particular term, uh, you know, form of acting, but uh, we usually don't hire SAG. Uh, usually, you know, that's not typically something that, you know, a haunted attraction does. Even in this area, I know we're so close to New York City, where you have all the actors you could ever want. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the fact that we are using AI to the extent that we are this year it, it just it, it resonates with that whole thing, and there's a lot of people on either side of the debate, and we've lost some people, you know, who are who are not on our side about this. But I think uh, you should pause. Uh, you know, why why pause? Why pause? We're in, in an exciting time now of mm-hmm. you know technological advancement, and uh, you know I'm sure all that in Hollywood will get itself figured out. You know, absolutely. Why not have some animated stuff go on in the in the meantime? Hey, why don't we just pause farming? Why don't we just pause everything while we're at it? I think, listen, I would love to pause farming. In my opinion, I, I lived in Pittsburgh for five years. Uh, and I told people for years, you know, after moving out there from Long Island, which is so culturally diverse, you know, that I, honestly, the country would be better off if you just bombed everything between Columbus and Pittsburgh. Wow. So, yeah, pause the farming. Why not? All right. <laughs> so, moving on. 
From the What About Bob department. For those of you who don't remember, during the pandemic, the Marvel film Black Widow was one of the Disney's biggest films that was released on both digital and in theaters at the same time. For those of you who also don't remember, actress Hot Scarlett Johansson had sued Marvel slash Disney for breach of contract as a large portion of her earnings from the film were only tied to the theatrical release, not digital rentals. Disney released a statement which said that Scarlett's suit, quote, had no merit whatsoever, unquote, and that she, quote, had a callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, unquote. Disney also said that they, quote, uh, significantly, significantly enhanced Scarlett Johansson's ability to earn additional compensation, unquote, on top of the $20 million that she had already received for the film. Uh, needless to say, this great plan backfired, and the suit was settled out of court. Turns out that both Bob Iger and Bob Chapek, who were both CEOs of Disney at the time, Iger was on the way out and Chapek was on the way in, thought the other Bob was going to handle the Black Widow situation, and it turns out neither did. This was partly due to the fact that neither Bob were in communication with each other. According to newly released documents, Chapek allegedly thought that this was, quote, a creative issue and therefore Bob Iger's territory, while Bob Iger apparently thought this was a, quote, business issue and not a creative one, and this was Bob Chapek's issue. So despite neither Bob liking the aforementioned statement, they both signed off on it. It's crazy how corporate had no idea what was going on, which led to this giant lawsuit and a big mess for Disney at the time. If they had just paid attention or worked well together, this whole thing could have been avoided. As a CEO... Of your own haunt, do you have a situation where you have to be on top of everything? You're like, ah, eh, let somebody else handle it. I am, I am constantly trying, you know, day to day with the operations of our company, trying to to ensure that communication is always there because the moment that it's not is the moment that everything hits the fan. And uh, you know, between the two bobs here, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like that's exactly what happened, probably. I mean, you know, they're CEOs. How how much other things are they concentrating on? You know, it, it could be you know taking their wife out to dinner after they get off work, but they're not concentrating on you know this this whole Scarlett Johansson issue. So it just goes to show that you know just a simple mistake can have such consequences, explosive consequences, if you will. And just that simple mistake is costing. Dollars that we will never think of having that (laughs) Disney has. And Bob, the one Bob. One of the two Bobs. There there was two (laughs) Bob, but the one Bob on the way out, why should he care? And the other Bob on the way in, why should he know about that? Unless the other Bob, who didn't care about anything, told the new Bob. You know what this sounds like? What does it sound like? Continue, Charlie. So that's... That's what? Oh, that's it. All right, go ahead. Well, I guess got? I read them properly. It was done. Uh, I bet you it sounded like, oh, oh, Scarlett, we, we understand your concern. Let's transfer you to Bob. Uh, Scarlett, this isn't really in my domain. I'm going to transfer you to Bob. Hey, Scarlett, uh, I don't really know what's going on here. Let me transfer you to Human Resources. Hello? Oh, yes, yeah, Scarlett, let me transfer you to Bob. That's about it. It never got done. You just keep transferring to blind five. And that cost them millions of dollars. And poor Scarlett, who doesn't have any money in the bank, is getting thrown around like... I like Scarlett, though. I like Scarlett more than I like Disney. Yeah. 
That's right. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Disney. We, we know this. Um, so moving on from the that's a lot of nuts department. The new Nun sequel has taken the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in $32 million in sales in its first week of release, knocking off the new Equalizer sequel, which came in at number two, with an additional $12 million in its second week of release. For those of you keeping track, Barbie is still the highest grossing film of this year, with $620.7 million, followed by Super Mario Brothers with $574.9 million. Of note, Barbie has moved up one more notch and now sits as the 12th highest grossing film of all time, knocking off Star Wars Part 9, which is now in 13th place with $620.1 million and came out in 2017. Um, I know Jen knew that Barbie was going to be big. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be big. Did you think it was going to be big? No. Charlie didn't think it was big. Aiden, no. did you think? As a horror guy... You're like, yeah, this as, is a, as a cinemaphile, all right. all right. No, I, I was following Barbie since the beginning. Uh, at first, before I kind of got the, before they released kind of the hints, like the Kubrick trailer and all that, I was like, oh, what a cash grab. And then, and then I got it. And then I, I, I started looking at, you know, the list of people who were involved. Yeah, no, I, 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 it was one of my most anticipated films. I still haven't seen Oppenheimer because I'm, you know, way too busy. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, Barbie, Barbie deserves every. Bit of praise that it's got. Yeah, I, I, I You know what? So you I, you're absolutely oh, right. So you saw it. You saw it? You're, no. <laughs> but, uh, I read a lot about it. I'm, I, you know, and the way they set it up and the way they did it was was believable. Believable. You know. right. um, so, Jen, do you think? Jen, come on. What do you What do you say? I don't know about believable. You'll have to see it. And you'll say, I don't think I believe any of this could happen. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question? Do you think how high on this list? It's already at number Duh. twelve. Yeah, obviously makes how sense. How high do you think it's going to go? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to eight. You think it's going to go single eight. digits? Yeah, I think it, yeah, oh, for sure. Fine. I could see it for sure. All right, so moving on, let's see. And it's a positive movie. You know, it's all about treating people well, so I'm all for it. Uh, There's nothing that has me anti this movie. All right, fair enough. I mean, I I could find something, but... So, moving on. From the It's a Not a Me Mario follow-up department. As mentioned in a previous episode of our show, none other than voice actor Charles Martinet had been quote-unquote side-moded to brand ambassador and will no longer be voicing Mario... Luigi, Wario, or Waluigi in any future Mario games. What's interesting to note is that there is a new Mario game being released on October 20th, and it will not have Charles' voice. Nintendo says, I think people have recognized this when they see Super Mario Brothers. They'll wonder, and they'll hear a different voice, and we'll let that play out. And then we'll let it be within the credits. And then people will learn who the new person is at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But we don't plan to make any announcements in advance of that. Now, this bothers me because... When you make a video game, you don't make it overnight. It's years in development. So that means that they knew that Charles was not going to do any of these voices long time ago, and they only announced it recently that he's not doing any voices, and now the game's coming out. So I, I think it's just really corporate sneakiness at, it, at its highest, and I think because Mario is the second highest grossing movie of this year, people should be like, hey, I'm not going to get this game because this guy... Not have a job. I mean, is there a record of how many like pre-sales have been canceled? Um, it has not been. Oh wow! Well, yes, senior correspondent Charlie Saldin. This is a a join-in, but 
<laughs> Who the hell cares? You don't care Who about a voice actor? That a, a voice is going to be different on a, a when Mario Brothers is not that hard. Wait, Except wait. if you were doing the voiceover. Wait, so so you're saying that a voice actor, his value is not important? No, no. I'm saying that any voice actor is value. But the situation is, who cares who's going to be? It's like when Fred Flintstone, the guy who did him. Yeah, but he died and someone right, else took over. Right, right. Charles is still alive. Oh, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know who's going to care? The children really? are going to care. This is like, you know, bringing in, like, the hot stepmom when you have, you know, a wife of 40 years and she's growing, you know, hair out of her chin. Like, that's what Charles Martin, he's the older one. Now they're trading him for a new model. And now we're going to have to, as they said, who's the new person at this point in time? Who's the new broad in the kitchen? We don't plan to make any announcement. They'll they'll announce it soon. Uh, you know, people will learn who the new lady is in the town. There we go. Growing up as a child, I loved hearing the voice actors in cartoons. And whenever they changed the voice act, it always annoyed me. So this mm. is a huge thing for me. But obviously, the panel does not get any well, here. I, I'm, I'm on your side with this, honestly. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, as, as the, the guy that the whole internet's roasting right now about, <laughs> how dare you use AI and replace all your actors? No, I'm, I'm absolutely on the same page. Even if it's purely for nostalgia, because, like, Mario was my favorite thing growing up. Um, when I was huh? a kid at summer camp, I, I somehow managed to convince every single counselor that my name was Mario. And I somehow maintained what? that the entire summer. Really? So you had a whole what? alternate identity? Yes, that's why I learned that I should go into marketing. Uh, All right. Now, don't you think, like you said, they knew this for the longest time. Yeah. Don't you think they had that planned? Yeah, that's my point. They had it planned. That's right. So who cares? <laughs> wow. All right. So final bit of news. From the no more free refills for you department, none other than McDonald's has announced a quote-unquote phasing out of their self-serve drink area. Executives say McDonald's will be transitioning away from the self-service beverage stations in dining rooms across the United States by 2032. It's not that far off. Uh, the change is intended to create a consistent experience for both customers and crew across all ordering points, whether that's McDelivery, the app, the kiosk, the drive-thru, or in-restaurant. Um, the crew pour system, which is actually use an automated beverage system to mechanically fill the drink orders, minimizes human contact. Crew pour also eliminates theft and emphasizes the brand's new focus on creating a more relaxed dining experience complete with servers delivering meals to the table. It's an evolution towards convenience. Now, I remember that they didn't have self-service drink at McDonald's, and then they put it in because they were like, we don't want to pay employees extra, so we're going to make the customers get the drinks themselves. And now they're going back and saying, we don't want the customers to get the drinks themselves because they're getting free drinks. Yeah. And now we're going to make an automated machine to yeah. fill the drinks for you. Now, Is Ray Kroc turning in his grave right now? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yes, sir. Applebee's just uh, opened a uh, to-go place in, um, in Deer Park. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a little area to eat, but it's not for staying there. And there's no waiters, no waitresses, nothing. Hmm. And it, they just opened that in the apartment. So there's some dude cooking the food, and that's it. I guess it's pretty much their equivalent of like a ghost yeah. kitchen. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Wow. 
that's that's insane for people who for these kids who want to work and now they they're they're phasing them out. I just it's, it's just mind boggling to me that the excuse for taking it out is the same excuse for putting it in. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the whole idea is like the self checkout at the thing. Well, we don't want to do that anymore. You yeah, know. because we've been going by the customers always right for years. Well, guess what? Humans are idiots, and the customers usually wrong. So why let them do it themselves? Humans are idiots. Yeah. End of That's story. Why we're using AI. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. was a when I was a kid. Once again, I used to make sure I got my soda with no ice because I knew that you can get more soda without oh, yeah. the ice. Oh, my and so then, as I found out years have gone by, they have the automated machines, which pour no matter how much ice or no ice you get. Yeah. And so, if you're lucky, you can go to a guy and they'll, they'll top it off for you, but otherwise, you're getting that amount of ice, oh. that amount of soda. And I remember, as I mentioned many times on the show, I used to work at a movie theater. Right. And the, the managers, which was me, who I didn't tell them, but other managers told specifically the employees to put as much ice as possible oh, in nice. the cups because yeah. it lessens the amount of soda that you're getting because wow. it's, it's a, it's right, a cash right, thing. Right. So I think it's very odd that McDonald's is the biggest chain in the entire world is going to be screwing people over with this. I mean, is it that much soda that they're losing? Is Maybe. it is it is it a hygiene thing because of the pandemic? Like, might be a lot of soda. It's it's. You think it's a lot of soda? Because honestly, I have good ethics, and even I have done a double. You've gotten a you've gotten a soda refill. at Chipotle when I was in college. When okay. I was younger, I wouldn't do that now because whatever, I'm too old for that refraff. But yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten free drinks, so I'm pretty moral and yelling and throwing throwing drinks in people's faces for littering. <laughs> I mean, I. I'm sure everyone's kind of stealing. Not everyone, not you. you not, 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 not the live studio Maybe audience? When you were, yeah. Maybe when you were 19. <laughs> All right, so that... Our audience would never steal. Our audience would never steal, yes. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more It Came From the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or a product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. This is Brian Downey, Stanley Tweedle from the TV series Lex, and you're listening to It Came From Radio. Hi, this is Ellen Dubin, star of Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Keep listening. Michael McManus. I played Kai on Lex. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. This is the amazing question. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the official Big Apple Condis. your host, Mark Torres, speaking in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. Yeah. A, a dead studio audience <laughs> at the East Meadow Public Library, um, courtesy of the East Meadow Public Library, where they have tons and tons of programs each and every month, uh, most of which are free, one of which is our show, which is the second Wednesday of every month. I'm here with senior correspondent Charlie Saladino. Hello, fun seekers. I'm here with L-Man Jenny Feldy. Hello. And I'm here with the CEO of, I always, I always have to try to look this up because I always forget the name of your company, which, uh, apologies. <laughs> Dark Knight Halloween World CEO, Aiden P. Finian. Yes, that is me. So, um, Aiden, I've known you for a long time. And Unfortunately for you, I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
Um, what made you decide to go into a horror haunt? So is it a horror haunt? Is it a horror experience? What, what exactly is Dark Knight Horror World? Let's right. start with that. Dark Knight Halloween World Screen Park specifically is the largest Halloween event, and we call it a Halloween event, I'll explain that in a second, in the history of Long Island. Um, you know, people ask, oh, you know, it's just a haunted house, right? Well, one, no, we have nine different haunted attractions at our location. And two, we offer so much more. We have vendor, uh, vendor fairs. We have museums set up. Uh, we have immersive photo experiences. Uh, we have a photo op pumpkin trail. All sorts of stuff that we are uh, currently at, at, about to announce and half the stuff I can't even remember because we have so much stuff. So it's not a haunted, it's not just a haunted house is what I like to tell people. So it's a haunted experience. Yes. It's everything you've ever wanted in one place. So how does that come to be? Because if I'm starting out, I don't think about having the whole experience. I think about having one thing. Mm -hmm. So was that something in your head? Is like, okay, these are all these really cool ideas. Let me figure out how to put it together. Or did it build slowly over time? It built slowly over, uh, over time, even before my partners and I were, were doing this project, because my partners and I, all of us have run and produced uh, haunted attractions for uh, my one partner, Marty, uh, Marty Araminsky, he, he's done it for at least 20 years. Uh, the man started Blood Manor in, in New York City. Uh, he started Chamber of Horrors in Hop Hop. He did Long Island Fear Fest at Bethpage all those years ago. Guys in Living Legend in my book. But we've been doing this for so long that we started missing the old tricks and also getting tired of kind of the cookie-cutter stuff that a lot of other places are doing, not saying that, that, that that's not ineffective, but... You know, after you go to five or six haunted houses in one season, all of a sudden you've seen the same thing 17 mm -hmm. times. So we, we kind of set out after, you know, being burned by the industry, and we, we wanted to truly give Long Island some place where not, not just teenagers, but families, anyone of any age can come and have a fun Halloween experience multiplied on a massive scale that, that's never been seen before in this area. How do you balance family-friendly event with horror? Um, how do you balance that? Uh, just with a click of the button with our AI. Uh, so with our AI, because we are the world's first AI-controlled screen park, uh, all of our actors uh, signed up and volunteered to get these new RFID chips implanted in their skin. Uh, we are collaborating with uh, Elon Musk and Neuralink right now, uh, and we're very, very excited about that. And all these actors, they've seen the benefit. Actors with depression are no longer, you know, depressed, and, you know, people feel safe because there's always something, you know, making sure that they're safe. Always safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I completely forgot the question. What was the question? <laughs> oh, how do you balance it? Yeah. All right, so let's say there's a, you know, a bunch of groups in line. There's a couple groups of teenagers. They want scare. All right, they go into the haunted attractions. We set the AI, or the AI actually automatically detects that, hey, these people are looking to get scared, and they, they make those actors ferocious. All right, the chips go on, boom, boom, boom. Not going to tell you how it's done. That's for the scientists, too. But uh, if, uh, say, there's a kid coming through or, you know, just a group of adults who don't want to be scared but want to have a fun Halloween experience, that chip deactivates. And all of a sudden, it's more of a docile thing. The actors stay back. The actors may even become funny. Uh, and it just becomes more of a, a fun Halloween experience, a whole big event, all powered by AI. Hmm. So um, I don't know if you're, if you're old enough to remember this, because I am. I'm very old. Great Adventure used to have a haunted house, and they had a fire. 1984. And, yeah. And a lot of people died because they didn't have proper signage and all that safety stuff. So how much safety do you do 
when you're working into something like this? Um, uh, Haunted Attraction is probably one of the safest places for you to be. At the moment, I'm currently a Pennsylvania uh, licensed state amusement inspector, uh, limited for Haunted Attractions, but I took um, the the test to earn that license um, that they had in Harrisburg, and one of the things you have to do is sit through, I I kid you not, a legitimate six-hour class where they just go over what happened at Six Flags in New Jersey. Oh, what was the first thing that went up? It was a mattress. You know, nothing was coated in fire fire retardant, uh, you know, spray, which is one of the many things we have to do now. I mean, we go through the haunted attraction before inspection, which has to happen before opening, and just coat everything. Everything's fire retardant. No coverings, uh, you know, emergency exits every, you know, certain amount of feet. Everything's got to be ADA compliant. There are so many points that you need to touch on in order to be allowed to open, especially the closer you are to New Jersey. Uh, the, the ripples of that are still felt across the entire industry. And uh, it, it was a very tragic event, uh, but it was also, unfortunately, instrumental to pushing the industry into a, a more regulated direction uh, as it is now. I heard you said you have to be ADA compliant. How yes. do you stay American Dental Association compliant as a haunted house? Well, you see, you see where all her uh, teeth went. Uh huh. Yeah, I should. Oh, just remove the teeth. Yeah, just remove the teeth. That's that's all you have to do. That, that's like one of the easier things to pass fire inspection. Oh, okay. You got something, I just like the idea that it's um, a variety of stuff. I think that's brilliant. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to do um, and did did to an extent, and they're still doing it. Wrestle Souls all those years ago when he came and interviewed me the first time, you know, when I uh, looked a hell of a lot younger. <laughs> but, um, and I probably, you know, my back didn't hurt as much. But I, I like offering a variety because there's always going to be someone in the group that's not scared of, you know, what he and she are, are scared of. You know, maybe they're into aliens. Maybe they're into, you know, God knows what. But we, we want to offer that that whole experience, run the gamut in terms of themes and scenarios, and especially that, you know, we're we're an 80s and 90s themed haunted attraction uh, with many of our props and set pieces pulled directly from 90s haunts, you get you get some interesting stuff in there. We also throw a lot of pop culture references in. Uh, it's very meta, it's very self-referential, and it's very mematic, I guess you could say. Um, it's it's kind of like browsing, you know, Instagram at 4 a.m. and just all the weird stuff that you, you, you have to scroll through there. And how do you deal with the undesirables that might come to a haunted uh, attraction? Um, so, like with our, with our, like what? Like what? Um, like people, undesirable? people who who might want to just make trouble oh, yeah. at a, at a haunted house and people, try to be people who drink before they get there. Yes, right. yes. Well, we do have security, uh, a very great security force, uh, and we've had that for the last two years. We're at the Baldwin Amphitheater. We have to have great security. But this year, we've implemented AI. Uh, to help that security force. And uh, unfortunately, our legal team told me I, I cannot specify into how people will be dealt with, troublemakers, mm-hmm. how the AI is going to deal with that, but uh, they're not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. One of the things um, when I was young growing up, um, I remember one of the first movies I saw on TV was The Exorcist. Like, mm-hmm. I was a kid and I saw that. And that was like the scariest movie ever. But at the same time, I knew that it was actors and it wasn't real. And so there's something in me that I don't get scared by people trying to scare me because I know deep down that they're actors. But on the same uh, tone, my ex used to get scared at the drop of a pin. And so whenever we went to a haunted attraction, they saw the fear and they purposely zoomed in 
on her. Yes. Is that something that you instruct or you have the AI go after people who are more scared? Yes, uh, it's programmed into the AI, but back when we were you know, not using AI and actually relying on human error, um, we had to train that. And yeah, it's always look for the facial expressions, look for the body movements, look for the body language that indicates that this one person is scared. And, you know, it's usually almost a stereotype because after the first three nights, you've seen enough groups that they keep repeating in terms of like who, really? you know, yeah, like you can tell what that, you know, which person is the one to go after. Really? But at the same time, I don't want, you know, let's say you're in that group, all right, you're enjoying yourself, but you want to, you know, you want the actors to at least try. So we don't instruct every single actor to hit that one particular person. We want to give everyone a variety. So actors A, F, and G may hit, you know, hit the first person. It, it, it's a big uh, equation and everything is pre-planned out. Wow, so would you say it's like a psychological experiment going through, seeing the reactions of everybody that you um, Unfortunately, our legal team uh, <laughs> says that you cannot refer to it as a psychological experiment. There's there's a lot there, um, but, uh, you know, that, that's for another day. That's for another day. You know, we need to get into the MK Ultra stuff now. They're hiring actors. Have you ever had any actors do method acting? <laughs> All of them seem to be. All of them, yeah. Any I acting mean, snobs? Well, it, well, yes, acting, you know, it's it's a, a kind of a theater-adjacent industry, you could say, and with that comes a lot of drama. And again, that is why we're implementing AI, because all of a sudden, you know, people don't have that urge anymore, you know? With that chip in them, they just don't have the urge to cause drama. They just stay in themselves, you know? Maybe they'll act like a cyborg, which is this funny little glitch. I don't know why, but everyone seems to like doing the robot when they have the chip implanted in them, I, you know? But, hey, so far, so good. Hmm. Most so important things that I like. That sounds good. What kind of food is there? Is there free parking? Uh, yes, parking is free. And I believe this is one of the few events at Baltimore Ever Theater where parking is free. Usually they charge for their concerts, etc. Parking's free for our event. Um, in terms of food, oh man. So we have a food truck festival that's going to be set up there on most of our peak nights. And I believe, I have to confirm this, but on all of the nights, Lucharitos is going to be opening up a special dark night themed pop-up restaurant. Ooh. So if you like Lucharitos, you're going to love this. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. So... When you have a repeat customer, mm -hmm. do you go out of your way? Well, first, do you know that they're repeat customers? And secondly, do you go out of your way to be like, hey, let's give them something different, or you want to give them the exact same experience over and over again? The AI has a very good way of spotting repeat customers, and uh, it definitely does change up the experience a little bit. When you were going through haunted houses, mm -hmm. were you like, I want to do this? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's always been there. You know, from the time that I was a kid, you know, like setting up cardboard tombstones on my parents' front lawn, and that evolved into every holiday for like six years. I got Halloween decorations as presents, Christmas presents. My parents hated that, as you can imagine. But mm. uh, this lifelong obsession kind of led to me doing what I do now. And, you know, I've, I'm blessed with a humongous network across the country, across the world even, of people who work in the haunted entertainment industry and in the immersive theater industry. And it's, you know, yeah, you could say that I'm, you know, sick and twisted, but at the same time, you know, if, if I'm not giving people a, an outlet to go and let out their frustration or, or to feel these things in, a, in, a, in a, a productive and safe manner, imagine a world without that. You know, that's my whole viewpoint on it. But 
Have so, you done any haunts where people want to be scared to the point where they're afraid they're going to die or something? Like uh, like people that really like to torture themselves with fear? Yes. <laughs> yes is the simple answer. So our, um, our, our parent company that I own, Dark World Entertainment Group, for the last 10 years have been producing some of the most controversial haunted attractions in history. Uh, and I, I shouldn't say haunted attraction because usually when we push the envelope, it's more of an immersive theater experience mm-hmm. or an extreme haunt, as they called it. Uh, in the 2016, uh, 2015 or 2016, we partnered with the now infamous, unfortunately, Russ McCamey and uh, essentially bought McCamey Manor to New Jersey for one night. Um, and then we had collaborated with another location out over in the United Kingdom. And uh, those two events happened simultaneously. Uh, we have done so many of these immersive experiences from hotel room photo shoots gone wrong to uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, actually, what one of the biggest successes our company ever had was doing what's called an ARG, you know, a, a, a alternate reality game. So it started out as something that you could participate in on Facebook, and all of a sudden you're getting phone calls from the characters in this experience. You're talking to other people you've met, and yeah, you know, you want to stay in the game, so you're you're diving through rabbit holes and researching the internet. And by the time we wrapped up the month-long game, there were I think yeah, it was several hundred participants in over seven countries. So we bought the world together with a uh, ARG. Wow. Yes. Super cool. So. Whenever you go through any type of immersive experience, there's always a story to be told. Mm-hmm. Do you write all the stories? Do you let the actors write part of the stories? Is each section a different story? Well, this this year actually isn't uh, is the first year where we don't have a, a story. This year, it's it's just pretty much hey, you know, our new partner, uh, the entertainment mogul and CEO himself, Mort Spookenstream. I know, I know, <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm working with him either, but. It's, it's his ambition. You know, we basically gave him the, you know, the, the paintbrush and, you know, I help him out wherever possible. And, uh, you know, it, it's really just for the purpose of proving to the world at large that with AI, absolutely nothing can go wrong. You know, we have our, uh, our new system, FrightNet, and, uh, you know, constantly monitoring. And, uh, we've, we've actually, uh, collaborated with a new company starting up, uh, Scientific Operations Solutions Global, uh, PSY OPS Global, to, uh, to to implement this, and you know, so far it's going great. Do you have a uh, a test audience before you open? Do you send people in there just like a like a media night or a test? Pump? Um, we have unfortunately a very very slim setup schedule this year. The uh, concert venue, uh, the concert schedule ran late, uh, so of course that was one of the reasons we implemented AI. But we are trying to. We, we can hook you guys up if you guys are interested. All right, we'll, we'll work with whoever. No, I mean, so you just. I mean, it's also a good thing just going in there. Well, yes, just like hello. absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I kidnap people. I mean, I borrow people off the side of the road, and you know, everything, and you know, I, I bring them there. Hey, why not? You know, the night before we open, you know. Yeah. So I, I will say we've had test audiences. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> but we were instructed by some, uh, you know, officials not to do that anymore. So back to these people who want to get scared. Do you notice any personality traits that overlap in these people? Are they rich, poor, CEOs, losers, unemployed, hmm. homeless, have ten homes? <laughs> That's actually a really good question. It depends the, on the time of the year. Ah, because, right. you know, if we're doing an event, say, a Haunted Valentine's in February, yeah. you're going to find... The horror-centric crowd. You're going to find the the goths. You're going to find the punks. You're going to find the, the horror movie aficionados, the witchy girls. You know, you know all of, all of those kind of. 
little subsects come together to support the haunted house scene in the off season. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's during the fall season. I think one in five Americans are likely to visit a haunted attraction. So it's more of a expanded thing. There's a much more you know expanded audience that comes, and it, it just becomes more of a social thing during Halloween. So you do see a you know a very large shift in the dynamic between opening off season and doing your st- standard in season show. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that has changed over the years we've been doing the show, we've been doing the show for uh, 20 years. Um, cosplayers has become a thing of its own. Mm-hmm. People dress up more now on a Thursday than you used to be able to see during Halloween itself. But Halloween people still do dress up. So is that something you also have people, cosplayers come in as well? Or is there like no cosplayers allowed, only Halloween is Halloween and cosplayers mm-hmm. like day off? I mean, you know, we, we, we considered implementing that because we, we, you know, we want everyone to come and have a great Halloween experience. And part of that is definitely wearing a costume. But when it comes down to you have to protect your flock, you know, the people working for you, and just any random man in the spirit Halloween mask can walk in and cause trouble, you know, our AI has, we've tested it out. It, it's not found a way to prevent that yet. So uh, we, we aren't allowing masks. People can come in costume all they want. But, uh, you know, it's still, it's just too much of a liability for the whole mask thing. But we, I'm sure we're going to be selling masks in the gift shop, and there's going to be, if masks are what you like, there's going to be plenty of them in the show. It'll feel like 2020 all over again. <laughs> Speaking of pandemic, did you ever think about having Can't wait. <laughs> a portion of the, the haunt attraction to be like just people coughing at you? Oh, my God, that's so funny. Well, you find coffins in the graveyard. Uh, no. Um, see, here's the thing. I that was that was a, a major theme during 2020, and I got sick of it really quickly. You know, the first haunt I went to, I was living out in Western Pennsylvania at the time uh, during the pandemic. And the first haunt I went to, you know, I was like, oh, hey, look, they have a COVID scene. <laughs> this is really edgy. This is, you know, this is a little controversial. I like this. And then, you know, the next 17 haunts I went and saw. Uh, all had pretty much the same thing. So it was like, okay, can someone do this idea differently at least? Or is it all going to be coughing in barrels of toxic goo? So, you know, that burnt itself out. But there was a time where I enjoyed the use of uh, controversial COVID theming and haunts. So with other haunts out there, how do you manage to keep yourself relevant? Relevant. Relevant. (laughs) Relevant. That's different. (laughs) throughout the years like do you have like a bar do you do you go and check out other people see what they're doing do you try to come up with stuff that no one else has done you're like oh we take what they got and we can make it better how do they do that because there are tons and tons of conventions Mm -hmm. in the entire united states and a lot of conventions they go hey that guy got a great idea i'll make that idea or sometimes they'll just i'll take that and make it better Mm -hmm. or they'll be like i don't want to do what anybody else is doing i want to be different it's a lot of that, but it's also a lot of different things. You know, everything from watching what's the most popular movie or TV series, and it doesn't even have to be horror. Uh, for inspiration, uh, I check the, the Twitter hashtags and whatever's trending throughout the year. I find a way to incorporate that into the show. Um, we also take a yearly mecca to St. Louis, Missouri, for the Interna- International Haunted Attraction Trade Show, uh, Transworld, where we spend way too much money and uh, come home with way too many big bulky, expensive monsters, and uh, but we're all better off for it, you know? So it, it comes down to a lot of things. And even looking into mythology, there's some themes that we pull from there. Looking into conspiracy theories and things like that, 
we, we try to combine so many elements of what's relevant in pop culture, both mainstays and things that are now popping off. And we've able we've been able to stay relevant by doing that. You know, we're we're also a haunted house that has its tongue planted firmly in its AI cheek, and uh, you know, we plan to keep it that way. You know, like it used to be that you know you'd have a room that's haunted, uh, or I was afraid to go in my basement. You know, the houses are haunted where we live, right? Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting that. And ingenious that you create a place that people have to go to you to be haunted. Usually, it's the other way around. So, have you thought of doing like a mobile haunt? So, mobile haunts, um, you know, they they're they're finicky. Uh, one big problem on Long Island that you don't have in Western Pennsylvania is storage. Because mm -hmm. in Western Pennsylvania and West Virginia, you have too much space, and you can pile all your stuff on your friend's property and, and you know here out here on the island storing six or seven semi-trailers is a completely different story plus they're they're hard to build and keep safe well let's look at the six flags fire that was all in semi-trailers that oh. was technically a mobile haunted attraction oh, yep know. yep all wow. tractor trailers uh with uh locking emergency exits oh. that were unmarked wow yeah, yeah. So no, no mobile haunts for you. You got to come. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. You know, we're always expanding. We're always trying new things. You know, what if, what if you, we did a haunted attraction where it's not in a building at all? What if it's something completely open world where you have to travel around like a scavenger hunt? I mean, mm. anything's possible, and we're willing to try anything. Mm. Worst thing that ever happened to you doing this, or the funniest thing that ever happened to you. Or the worst thing that was the funniest thing that happened. <laughs> well, you know, I think it. Some, sometime in mid-September, I was actually invited into this radio show. They were recording in the basement. <laughs> no, um, no, I mean, I've I've had my ups and downs. This has been the bulk of my life is being in this business and traveling across the country doing this. Um, so there, there was definitely a lot of bad. <laughs> um, this this taught me who to trust. And uh, who, who to trust is AI. But uh, the funniest, the funniest, worst thing that ever happened to me when I was building Wrestle Souls about a year and a half before you int interviewed me, uh, there was a facade I was building. It looked like a hillbilly house, and I was up on a ladder with a uh, pneumatic industrial staple gun. I was a little dehydrated that day. Didn't sleep too well the night before. I was a little dizzy. All right, so here I am, like 15 feet off the ground, and I'm stapling up burlap to do some distressing. And uh, I lost my balance on the ladder and, uh, you know, grabbed the facade. I grabbed the wood to, to hold myself up. Unfortunately, that was also as my right hand was plunging the staple gun into no. the, um, no. yes. So you had, you had, you had the, you know, the tip of staple, or right? you had, it goes to the wood, it goes to the burlap, goes through my finger, and then it sticks out about two extra inches on the other oh, side. Yeah. So the fire department had to come and chop little, you know, 18-year-old Aiden down at that point, And uh, that's an experience I'll never forget. Nice. That's why I let other people do the work now. I just design things. <laughs> yeah. Good safety for oh, There you go. What scares you? People. Me too. My exes. Uh, What's the scariest thing an ex has done? I'm pretty sure I actually can't talk about that. I'm going to be completely <laughs> you know honest here. Oh, man. You can the detail, right? Oh, uh, let's see. I mean. Change the names to be a. Still. Not your ex, your friend's ex. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh God. Uh, wow. You've triggered a trauma response. I'm suing everyone in this building. No. I am going to take you all to court. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, the, the exes. I don't know. <laughs> 
I also I also try not to be too horrible of a person, so <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly I'm at a loss for words. Congratulations, you've done it. <laughs> but uh, my last one is sitting next to me right now, so you know. I guess you could say this is the worst thing in X. This is less scary than my ex. I'm sorry. I recently got a message saying I will spend the rest of my life making you regret abandoning me. One, how, two, why, three. <laughs> wow, all right. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, am I in trouble? It's a little scary. Well, there you go. At least you're entertained, you know? Uh, yeah, trust me. So we're at uh, social media time. Social media! Where can people find out more about The Haunt? Where can they go? Where are the tickets? How much they are? All that fun stuff, go. So tickets begin at $35 for a general admission pass. That's You don't get to skip the line. Uh, and they are available at darknightli.com. That's Dark Knight, not spelled like the Christopher Nolan movie. Dark Knight as in a night that is dark. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone keeps misspelling our name because, oh, wow. they, you know, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rising. You're not going to find... Insert copyrighted superhero name here at our event. <laughs> uh, but they can go at Dark, Dark Knight LI. Um, tickets, like I said, 35 bucks, but you can also upgrade to a $45 VIP ticket. That allows you to skip all the lines and even gets you a secret exclusive 10th haunted house at the event, uh, which I believe is actually going to be presented in 3D. So we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, Dark Knight LI. All places, and uh, we're constantly posting stuff throughout the year. So if everybody's able to get the forty-five dollar ticket, then everybody's able to skip the line. So if nobody's able to skip. The line. Well, it's a it's a uh, it's a limited. There's a capacity for the tickets. <laughs> trust me, and that capacity is limited based on the estimated attendance for each night. You know, a, a Friday will be different than a Sunday. A Saturday will be much different than a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, so. What's the best day for a go for a haunted house? If you're looking for a party environment and you're looking to be around a lot of people, I'd say probably the Saturday before Halloween. Uh, but if you're looking for something that's more of an intimate experience where you can kind of even take more of your time going through and interact a little bit more because you don't have, you know, the flow of the show moving as viciously as a busy Saturday night, I would recommend coming on a, uh, coming on a, a Sunday. Really? Yeah. Sunday? Sunday. I mean, everyone's got to go to work the next day. Well, Sunday, most people yeah, do. Sunday has to be a big family day. It's a big family day, but again, people have school in the morning. People have, you know, work. You're not going to be out late. Yeah. So oh. I would say people people are definitely more inclined. The numbers prove this across the board, uh, that they're more inclined to, to come out on a Saturday. Uh, what's going to be interesting this year is seeing uh, how Halloween is, because what Halloween is on a Tuesday. We're open mm-hmm. on that Tuesday. Halloween was always big when I, a big night for once when I was working for haunts here on the island and then when I started doing uh, my own haunts in Pennsylvania, Halloween was almost desolate because everyone was going to Halloween parties. So I, I, it's a regional thing. Yeah. Will there be a candy given out for free at a Halloween? Uh, we have to hear back from our lawyers because allergies are a thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. They might be RFID chips implanted in. Oh, 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 I can't see that. I can't say that. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyways. So you mentioned um, being able to spend more or less time during the haunt. Is there, like, a time limit that you're in there? You're like, all right, we got to go, you guys. Or is it you can take as much time as you want per attraction? Um, like, everything. It's, it's all presented linear. Uh, there's some screen parks in the U.S., like Field of Screams out in Pennsylvania and Lancaster, which is one of the best shows you can ever see, uh, where everything is kind of your, go at your own pace. You can do the house first. You can do the hayride second or whatever you want to do. We, we found that especially in, in running such a high throughput event, the only way to logistically pull it off is to run everything in a linear fashion. So the show is designed to tell a story 
while in motion. Some haunted houses are highly theatrical. You go and you stand in the same spot in a room listening to an actor give a speech or a spiel or whatever to, to put the story on. When you're getting tens of thousands of people, you, you just can't do that. Uh, so we, we've had to you know use technology, obviously like AI, and different design elements to tell that story while you are constantly in motion. So we're almost out of time, but let's do the raffles. What, what are you raffling off for people in our live studio audience? We are raffling off two VIP tickets to Dark Knight Halloween World Scream Park. VIP tickets. A VIP. And just so you know, are Dark Knight Halloween. Halloween World good? Well, BuzzFeed rated us number 15 in the U.S. last year. My Haunts of Attractions have been on the Travel Channel. And Room Org Magazine just covered us. So I'd have to say we're, we're doing pretty well. Beautiful. Thank you. So that's two tickets. Two VIP tickets. Two VIP tickets. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Everybody have their tickets. There you go. Pull it out. Ah! The stupid number oh. is... What's the, the number? The number is 544590. 544590? That's my ticket. Wait, no. Is that you? Huh? Is that yours? Uh, I don't know. Is it? 544590? You don't know what you got? I don't know. See, if you were... All right, so I'm going to say that it was him because... Everybody else has their ticket and didn't have the number, so I guess you won. I did? Yes, you did. Are you sure? Congrats. Yeah, he doesn't want the tickets. He knows there's a free lobotomy included with every ticket. Five, four, four, five, eight, eight. Eight, eight. There we go. Hey, 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 hey. All right, wonderful. We'll get your the show's over, so don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. Thank you very much. Um, final thoughts. So, senior correspondent, Troy Saldino, you have any final thoughts? I can't wait to go to this event. I'm, I'm dying to go. I love I love the whole idea of it. I love the variations. I love everything about it. I cannot wait to get to the amphitheater. And uh, could I take some pictures? Absolutely. Yeah. Pictures are allowed. Beautiful. I'll Selfies, try to shut off the AI thing. so they don't shoot you in the head. Wait, yeah. can I say that? Oh, sorry. All right. Sounds good. Elman Jenny Feldy, you have any final thoughts? Uh, are you going to collaborate with any movies like Screamwalkers? Uh, Screamwalkers. We are, uh, yes, we, uh, yes. Dark Knight in the first year was the birthplace, uh, the birthplace of Screamwalkers. That is where the copycat killer originated. Uh, we will also be doing a maze based off Victor Bonacore's uh, film Thrust, which is this awesome post-apocalyptic uh, feminist story. I highly recommend it. It stars Winnea Quigley from Return of the Living Dead. Uh, we will also be doing a couple of sections based off a really cool film that you can find on Peacock called Curse of Crom. Halloween is obviously a holiday with Irish origins, and a lot of Irish monsters will be appearing on our show. Interesting. Yeah, and these are all official partnerships, by the way. So we are actually getting screen-used masks and props shipped in. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, to... Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, just honestly, you know what? If, if if the AI thing is still is still driving you away, I grew up an only child, you know? Or uh, not an only child, I'm sorry. But I was the eldest child. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You yeah. just eliminated your siblings. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. That's hilarious. I had a lot of well, you know what? Okay, so I was the oldest child growing up. I always wanted a big brother, and everyone's saying, oh, you know, uh, beware of big brother. Hey, listen, I don't think that would have been that bad, you know? <laughs> Let's keep everyone safe. Why not? Again, as my partner Mort Spook and Scream says, what could go wrong? 
What's the deal? Well, they die. Check it out. So my Why final... Did Seinfeld start possessing people in the audience? What? My final thought is this. Uh, Aiden, thank you for being a guest on the show. We really appreciate you coming down. Thank you for having me. In front of the live studio audience. Woo! Um, next uh, live show, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library, that's www.eastmetal.info. We have poet and author Naudi Suarez, which will be on Wednesday, October 11th at 7 p.m., which is the week of New York Comic Con. So if you're mm-hmm. in the area, please come down and join us. So that about does it for this week on the Came Doesn't Radio. Doesn't really do it. Right here on... <laughs> Join us right here and every week on our radio station. If you miss any part of our show, go to our website, www.camefreedom.com. Archives will be up in a week or so, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.